Thanks for pressing play, listener. In today's episode of Nerd Nostalgia, you're going to find me, Irvin, doing a solo episode. And in this episode, you'll find me reviewing the Netflix special TV drama series. I don't know what it's fucking called. It's like a mini-series, but The Queen's Gambit. Guys, as always, if you could please head over to Apple Podcasts, drop that five stars, tell your friends, family, co-workers about it. Follow us on Instagram at nerd.nostalgia.podcast. Help us broaden our viewership. All right, y'all know the drill. Before we get started, here's a quick clip for you to enjoy. I'm Miho Nishizumi, and this is Nerd Nostalgia Podcast. And thanks for stopping by, Panzer Vor. Oh, and fuck you, Brian, with an I. <laughs> Hey, 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 welcome back, all my nerdy, nostalgic friends, all my comic nerdy, geeky friends. Welcome, welcome, welcome for another episode of Nerd Nostalgia. It's your boy, Irvin, giving you the latest scoop. Well, I guess it's not really a scoop, it's more of a fucking review. But, giving you the latest review on the Netflix show called The Queen's Gambit. Y'all know the deal. We will go over the production, we'll go over the cast... We'll discuss the plot and summarize it a little bit. We'll talk about some memorable scenes or a memorable aspect of the show. Then we'll switch gears and we'll do the runtime where you can watch it, talk about the ratings, and then finally my overall thoughts and conclusion on The Queen's Gambit. So, without further ado, let's jump into it. So the production, this was created by Scott Frank and Alan Scott. Now, with Scott Frank, he has a a pretty big history. They both do, actually. But with Scott Frank stuff, you'll know his work from The Lockout, Get Shorty, Out of Sight, Minority Report, The Interpreter, Marley and Me, The Wolverine, and Logan. Alan Scott has just a big history, too. He's been in the industry for a long time. You can actually look up his stuff on Wikipedia, IMDB, and a few other sources out there. And while most of our information is coming from those two platforms. The production company for this was Flitcraft, LTD, and Wonderful Films. The American drama TV series is based on Walter Tevis's, I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly, excuse me if I'm not, but his novel, the 1983 novel of the same name, The Queen's Gambit. So having seen the show, miniseries, TV, I don't know what the fuck to call it. We'll call it a miniseries. I think that's what it's actually properly called. (laughs) But regardless, having seen it, I actually want to go get the book now because it is a really great story. So I can only imagine that the book, the novel is going to be just that much better. But the production behind this was just absolutely wonderful. Great job on the acting and everything as well. So yeah, let's kind of uh, jump into that. Talking about the acting, let's talk about the cast. There are some young faces on here, but some familiar faces. We have mutants on here. We have Harry Potter, Maze Runner, Game of Thrones, all actors that have been in these uh, shows, movies, TV shows, whatever the case. So you would definitely be able to recognize the actors. So without further ado, let's jump into it with our girl Anya Taylor-Joe starring as Beth Harmon. You may recognize her from a few different things. She is in a lot of actually nerdy things, but she was Casey Cook in the movie Split, aka Glass as well. That whole arc, I believe it's called... Unbreakable Trilogy with the boy M. Night starring Bruce Willis in that, alongside Sam L. Jackson. 
And of course, another big role that she's recently had, and I still haven't seen this movie, but she starred as Ilyana Rasputin on New Mutants, the movie that just came out, aka Magic. And I thought she absolutely looks the role, so that was a perfect casting on that part of the New Mutants. I hope that the movie is good. I've heard mixed reviews. I've heard that it's actually really good if you're a comic book person and not so much if you're uh, what I like to call a normie and not into the comic book world, that uh, super nerdy geekiness. But I don't know. I'll check it out and then come back with another review for that. Ooh, and what an idea. What if I get a normie? I have several normie friends to watch it with me, get their opinion, and go over it on the show. Boom, jot that down, Irvin's assistant. That doesn't exist, but it's called Google slash also my my hand. So anyways, (laughs) moving on. So she is the prodigy that uh, learns how to play chess. She learns via this next character, Mr. Scheibel, aka the uh, custodian that teaches her how to play chess. His name is Bill Camp. You know Bill Camp from a lot of things. He's an older gentleman, but he's been in uh, 12 Years a Slave. He was Radburn in that. He was in Joker recently as uh, Detective Garrity or something like that. And then he was also Gerald Ford in the movie Vice. So if you saw his face, you would recognize him. His role wasn't huge, huge, um, just in the sense that he was only in like the first act whenever she was young and teaching her how to play and kind of getting her foot in the door. Moving on into the second act, I guess, would be a character called Thomas Brody Sangster. Pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. But he stars as Benny Watts, another gifted chess player that ends up captivating our lead actress's heart at one point, but I'm not going to, you know, give you too much information. He's been in several things. He was in Maze Runner as Newt, and what I remembered him from was Game of Thrones as Jojen Reed. You'll remember that as the character who could foresee into the future and then also kind of helped Bran get up to the north and then eventually get to the Three-Eyed Raven. So I thought that was cool to see him in a different role. He's very young looking, so in this he actually looks a little bit older. So I thought that was uh, that was good that they were able to dress him in a certain style and that he got a role that wasn't a very young kid kind of role, which I want to say he normally has been associated with just because he has very young features. Youthful, youthful features. Moving on to Harry Potter, we have Harry Melling, a.k.a. Harry Beltic in this. You'll know him from a few different things. Most recently, he's been in His Dark Materials as Sisselman. He was Merrick in The Old Guard, the old guard, the bad guy in that, I guess, kind of. The guy that's like the scientist CEO that's tracking him down. I don't know. But most importantly, you'll remember him as Dudley Dursley from Harry Potter as Harry's cousin, the piece of shit little kid. You remember him, right? The spoiled kid. Yeah, that's him. But does a great job acting, and I almost almost struggled getting past that thought of him being as that role, but I was able to see him in a new light in this, so uh, kudos to you, sir, for kind of switching me off of the mindset from Harry Potter. But from there, we have a whole slew of actors, and I want to make sure that they have their due, but I'm not going to go as deeper as I normally would. You have Chloe Perret as Alice Harmon. You have Marielle Heller as Alma Wheatley. You have Marcin Dorochniski as uh, Vasily Borgov, the Russian guy. Big Russian adversary. Very, very big, big role this. Oh, uh, not big role, but uh, very, uh, very important role. Is the nemesis that she must beat. 
Russian very good chess. I hope that was a fucking good accent, y'all. But anyways, continuing on, you have Matthew Dennis Lewis as Matt. You have Russell Dennis Lewis as Mike. Twins. Moses Ingram as Jolene. She serves an important role, but it's not a huge role in this coming-of-age story. You have Isla Johnson as young Beth Harmon. Kudos to this young lady. She did a really good job playing a uh, that, that character. I really uh, enjoyed her performance. And then you have Jacob Fortune Lloyd as D.L. Towns. Dolores Carbonari as Margaret. Janina Elkin as Borgov's wife. Patrick Kennedy as Alston Wheatley. Christine Seidel as Helen Deirdroff. Akemenji Nindifornian as Mr. Ferguson. Annabeth Kelly as five-year-old Beth. Sergio Dizio as Beth's father, Ryan Wickert as Hilton Wexler, and so on and so forth. I apologize if I didn't get to you, but it's a lot of people in this movie. So those were the major people, medium to major people roles. Most of the time it's centered around our protagonists, uh, Beth Harmon, Anya, Taylor, Joy. So yeah, let's let's kind of talk about what our protagonist goes and uh, what trials and tribulations she's doing. So she's basically an orphaned eight or nine year old girl. Beth Harmon learns and masters the game of chess via the help and the assistance at the beginning, at least, of her custodian kind of father figure um, at the orphanage that this young girl is at. Now, remember, this is based in the 60s, so orphanages were still a thing. I don't even know if orphanages are still a thing here in the United States, to be honest with you. Quick Google search. Let's see what it's at. Let's see what we find. So, yes and no. While the term orphanage is no longer typically used in the United States, nearly every U.S. state continues to operate residential group homes for children in need of a safe place to live and which to be supported in their educational and life skill pursuits. So technically no orphanages, but technically yes. So, yeah. Anyways, moving forward. Like I mentioned before, this is set during the 60s, which is right around that Cold War era. That is a factor that plays into the movie. But the story follows this chess prodigy, Beth, from the age of 8 or 9 into... Actually, and technically younger than that, but her chess journey starts at right around that 8-9 year age range into her early 20s to mid-20s. Now, while she's a prodigy and she's you know learning and reading about this game and, and obsessing over it... Um, she struggles to fix her emotional issues that her parents and other factors have kind of forced upon her. And in order to try and fix these emotional issues, she turns to uh, drugs, tranquilizer pills, alcohol to try to numb some of that pain and also try to tap into the genius of her brain. The story, like I mentioned before, is set during that Cold War era, so the Russians do play kind of a pivotal role, especially in the second half, because at that point, they become the next biggest, the next best people to be able to beat. Some of the best chess players in the world are of Russian descent. So there's actually a few names that are thrown in there that are based off of real people. Oops, spoiler alert on that. This character, Beth Harmon, did not exist. I went ahead and did that research because it was a very captivating movie and very cool, very sexy, very sleek, which I wouldn't think that those would be words associated with fucking chess, which, mind you, I play chess. I play chess on a regular basis. I actually suck now because my 11-year-old nephew, or 12 now, will uh, school me all day, every day, but he's used to speed chess, and that's a difference than my long, long games that I play, but I digress. He's also a really awesome kid, just in general, so, and he was playing chess 
for like three, four hours a day for the past like six, seven months during quarantine. So yeah, how he found time to do that and still play uh, baseball, it just, just baffles me. But whatever, I digress. I'm getting sidetracked here. So the Russians, like I said, play a pivotal role. They become her, not nemesis, yeah, I guess the nemesis of this story. They're not the bad guys, but kind of. The whole Cold War factor plays a role into it, but not a huge thing. It's not the uh, the, the center theme, which I think the center theme for this is going to end up being women empowerment and and really just that equality factor, kind of women's rights a little bit sprinkled in there as it is set in the 60s, right? So that to me was, you know, one of the most iconic things that I remembered or the most, not nostalgic, but one of the most memorable things for sure. It's it's a very empower, empowering TV show. For women, I think it depicts the main character as a capable, strong, and independent person. And for the character to be based in the 60s, that is what really makes and stars and shines a light on this character, I think. And her depiction, uh, Anya Taylor's, man, just absolutely awesome. She crushes this role. I think this will land her a lot of big roles in the future because she absolutely kills it in this. So I'm curious to see how she did in The New Mutants with a kind of Marvel-esque superhero type of movie, right? Although that was Sony and Marvel's formula is just a little bit different and a little bit higher quality in my opinion, but I'd be curious how she handled that role as well. But yeah, this uh, this show really, really hit home on this. It's It showcases chess and how it's a, you know, a predominantly male-dominated sport and it centers around a female and shows her passion, her intellect, and her genius throughout this. And keeping up and beating all of the guys on top of conquering some of the demons that she has, right? Her emotional demons, if you will. So, as you can probably guess, you know the ratings are going to be good on this. So, let's go over that real quick. Off of IMDb, you're going to have an 8.9 out of 10. Pretty fucking solid there. This one, though, is the one that threw me off. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I haven't seen 100% score in, in quite some time now. It's only a weekish old, so I'm sure people will eventually get there, but I, I don't see it dropping lower than, you know, 90%, just because this is a really, really good TV show, really good series. And it also has a 98% on Google users, the thumbs up, I gave it a thumbs up as well, and of course, you're here for the Nerd Nostalgia review, for the Nerd Nostalgia Ewok score. Now, you gotta remember, one Ewok is equivalent to 1.11 stars, okay? That's the math on this, y'all. So, I give this an 8.2 out of 9 Ewoks. So, that equates to like roughly like a 9.1, like a 9.2, 9.3, somewhere like in that range. It's really fucking good. That's pretty much what it is. It's it's super good. It's super worth it. The episodes range anywhere from like 50 to 65 minutes, just depending on the episode. Maybe a little bit more, give or take. But the entire time, you're captivated. You're you're in it. You're like, heck yeah, this is awesome. So the seven episodes come out to a total runtime of 393 total minutes. So that roughly equates to six hours and 33 minutes of actual TV time. So you could totally binge this in one day. I mean, it's a lot to do in one day, but you could totally do it. I'd recommend doing it over two, three days, you know, two, three hours worth. Uh, depending on how you want to knock it out and how much time you have available to you. This debuted on 
the 23rd of October of 2020 on Netflix. So this is a Netflix exclusive and man, absolutely one of the best shows to come out of this year because uh, fuck 2020, right? My overall thoughts on this are going to be positive. I really enjoyed it. The entire cast crushed their roles. So not even talking about Anya Taylor, but you know the rest of the the guys that are on here. The uh, the custodian, Mr. Scheibel, aka Bill Camp. He plays a very you know timid and shy kind of guy. Uh, doesn't really know how to show his love and, and affection, and just does it through the game. But at the very end of it, you get a very sweet scene of what impact, like the impact that he had on our uh, our young protagonist's life, on Beth Harmon's life. Then you have Thomas Brody Sangster, aka Benny Watts. He plays this New York super gifted, young, talented chess player, the the it guy as far as the chess game is concerned, the one no one can really beat, the champion, if you will, the American champion. And he's a he's a kind of a wild card. And he does a great job playing that character. That character is also very well written. And through their intellect, they, you know, they connect and that kind of stuff. Is it intellect? I maybe strategy, skills, uh and that's one other thing that I didn't mention. This isn't one of those typical stories where it's like, oh, young girl is doing great at this and then falls in love with the dude and then the dude is the one that basically saves her life. No, this is a strong, independent girl that goes through ups and downs like a fucking roller coaster and doesn't get rescued by a guy, doesn't fall in love with one guy. Like it's it's a very it's a really, really great story, a very empowering story for women. And I know I've said that over and over, but it I really do think that it's a great story for them. And of course, I can't forget about old Harry Melling, a.k.a. Harry Beltic in this, a.k.a. Dudley Dursley from Harry Potter. The fact that I could get over him being Harry's piece of shit cousin that was spoiled as fuck and take him more seriously in this role, I thought that was uh, just absolutely great on his part, on his acting chops, if you will. It's just a great story. I mean, there's family involved in discussing what family really is, you know, the women empowerment thing. A lot of different things that just really come into play here. Um, so a great show overall. Really enjoyed it. As a coming-of-age story, you know, the show just, it really captivates you. And it takes you on this journey through her life. You know, you see her go from a five-year-old girl, a five, six-year-old orphan girl to a eight, nine-year-old prodigy in chess. You know, you see her mature both as a player and, more importantly, as a person. While not a perfect movie or show, you know, it, it's still really great and wonderfully written, produced, and directed. And again, because it stems from that novel, I really want to check out to see if it uh, is comparable. One of the best novels that I've read, it's a Western, it's called Lonesome Dove. The TV miniseries for that, amazing. If you've never seen that, definitely give it a go. But I read the book before, and it's a thick book. I read it before I watched the miniseries and man they hit it like 99% accurate so I'm curious to see how accurate this is in comparison because it's just an absolutely wonderful show like I said and it's I mean it's just smart it's clever it's captivating there's there's hints of sexy in there just because the lead actress herself is sexy and her thirst and knowledge and her her dominance in the sport I think that's what elevates the the sexiness factor to her character and her independence. Like, there's a lot of things. And, you know, I, I never would have guessed had you said that, hey, man, in 2020, there's going to be a show that comes out that is about chess, that's fucking clever, that's 
smart, that's sexy. I would have never fucking guessed that a show, a chess show, would have the word sleek or sexy in it. But man, it absolutely hits it on the nose with it. But again, that's just a testament to how wonderfully written this is, how great of a performance Anya does, and the supporting cast, how they just all crush it. So all in all, this was an absolutely great show. Highly recommend it. At six and a half hours, it's not going to take up too much of your life. And even if it does, it's still going to be something that you should enjoy. But that's it, guys. That's uh, my overall thoughts and you know conclusions on this. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, please, 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 please head over to Apple Podcasts. Drop that five star if you haven't. If you have, grab your girlfriend, boyfriend, grab your mom, dad, your brothers, sisters, your uncle, your aunt, grandma, grandpa's phone. Download Apple Podcasts. Drop that five star. Subscribe to us. And then on any other platform, just enjoy and subscribe and then keep listening. You know, help us broaden that viewership. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. Remember, stay nerdy, my friends.